After weeks of positive movement, the market tumbles following remarks from the Federal Reserve, plus questions surrounding the impact of President Biden's plan to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt. And California wants to stop selling gas cars by the year 2035. The Mach 1 Market Moment starts now. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is episode 117. This is Matt. I'm here with Eli and Lee. I think we're on a first name basis now. We don't even need to say each other's last name. I think so. so. All right. After steady gains over the last two plus months, the market took a dip Friday after the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said the central bank would not back down in its aggressive efforts to curb inflation. Take a listen. Price stability is the responsibility of the Federal Reserve and serves as the bedrock of our economy. We are taking forceful and rapid steps to moderate demand so that it comes into better alignment with supply and to keep inflation expectations anchored. We will keep at it until we're confident the job is done. So a couple other points that Powell made in his address, higher interest rates, slower growth, Softer labor markets will bring down inflation, but will also bring some pain to households and businesses. Um, But failure to restore price stability could mean far greater pain. Restoring price stability will take time. The Fed could initiate another uh, large increase at its September meeting. Um, The decision will depend on the evolving outlook and public expectations about future inflation can play an important role. So if if the public expects high and volatile inflation, it will likely stay that way. So, guys, Eli Lee, what are your thoughts? Obviously, this the markets um, immediately reacted last week, you know, after this news kind of came out and he had his comments. And my first thoughts were I think the market did exactly what they were uh, what he was wanting it to do. You know, I, I think so. I mean, he'll, he'll never admit to that. Um, what was interesting is the futures were, you know, were somewhat muted going into the speech. Um, he spoke early in the day. The market started down, um, and then as he was speaking, you know, slid a little bit further. And then, you know, towards the end of his speech and and afterwards, the markets actually recovered to the point where they were almost break even. And then, of course, we all know what happened the rest of the day. They they turned south very quickly. You know, I think that um, he was definitely a lot more hawkish. Um, I think that none of what he said was a surprise. Um, I think he felt like he needed to get everybody's expectations under control. Um, I think that going into the meeting, and I think a lot of what prompted the rally in the stock market over the past month was there's this belief or this thinking that, hey, there might even be the chance that, you know, the Fed's going to lower rates you know, the latter part of this year, early next year, if the economy really softened. Well, he pretty much yeah. shut that down completely. And I, and I think that, 
you know, one of the things that made the news was his comments were only, I mean, maybe eight minutes, nine minutes, when typically it's a half an hour presentation. I think he came into this saying, this is the way it's going to be. The lowering of rates is off the table, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get inflation under control. And his point about pain, and you mentioned that, I mean, I think he used the word pain two or three times, basically warning people, hey, we're going to take, we're going to do what it takes and it's going to cause some pain around mm -hmm. the table at a lot of, and, you know, it's going to cause pain in, you know, people's lives. And so the markets didn't like it. Um, yes. You know, Chairman Powell will say that, he, you know, what they do is not directly tied to the markets, but it is, it, it, it is. Um, he accomplished his goal. Um, and so there was kind of a reset. Um, you know, I still think that, I think that 75 basis points is squarely on the table for September. You know, we might can eat by with 50 if the numbers between now and then come in a little bit better than people are anticipating. But, I mean, we got an inflation, inflation problem, and the Fed is going to, you know, do whatever it takes to get it under control. And, you know, and who knows what that means, but it, it was a definitely a different Jerome Powell than – We've, we've been used to the last year or so. Yeah, and you, you go back to some of the recent Federal Reserve meetings, there has been kind of, he's in the middle of, of being hawkish, sounding like it's it's doomsday, and then also having a, a positive undertone. This one, he started out saying, today, my remarks will be shorter, my focus narrower, and my message more direct. He wanted to be very clear, this is the direction we're going, this is my number one target, which is, which is minimizing inflation. But I thought it was interesting. He goes... And what most news articles aren't talking about, he, he went through three main points. And the second one that he talked about was managing the public's expectations. Right. Meaning that if the public expects there to be inflation, inflation will continue. And he references back to 1979, 1980. What he's doing right now is trying to manage expectations for, for everyone that's listening, trying to get the public's expectations to inflation. It, it's manageable. We will get there. And, and that's what – there's a reason he's hawkish, sounding like he's he's coming down hard. And if we hadn't seen – my opinion, you know, if we hadn't seen a little bit of a market bounce over the last month or so, it would have probably been a completely different speech, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yep. he's looking at that and saying, like, okay, we haven't gotten any of this figured out. The market's bounced. Let's not let the market get out ahead of itself where things could end up maybe being even uglier than they need to be, mm -hmm. right? And so I think he almost saw as a responsibility there to – to like um, level out, set, yeah, level set and kind of squash what the market was maybe trying to do because he felt like it was getting out ahead of itself a little bit. So, you know, and one thing that was interesting, interesting as well, is that the numbers that came out, some of the inflation reports that came out Friday morning before his speech were good. Um, it shows inflation beginning to come down a little bit. And he made clear in this speech that one month does not mm -hmm. you know change what their what their responsibility is now if we get another month of good good news then maybe but you know we, we we've got to put some of these months together yeah i mean friday though just kind of quick highlight of what happened friday the, for those of you who aren't aware you know s&p fell 3.4 dow mm -hmm. down three nasdaq down almost four um so definitely a big move in the markets. The markets have been negative today. You know, this is we're recording on Monday, and they're they're down this morning. And um, so the markets reacted. 
I think it's that they, you know, what's happened, what he wanted to happen has happened, and we'll see kind of how things unfold from here. So, second topic we wanted to get into today was big headline last week. A lot of topic, a lot of conversation with clients. I know as soon as it was announced, like the next clients I had coming in and met with, you know, it was something they brought up or questions we were talking about internally, but student loans, right? The Biden administration comes out, um, you know, cancels student loans. Some of the guidelines were, you know, you had to make less than 125000 as an individual, or if you're married, less than $250,000. Um, you could qualify for up to $10,000 of canceled loans. And if you were someone who received Pell Grants, you could qualify for up to 20000 in loan forgiveness. So there are a lot of different angles to this debate, right, with many claiming the executive action isn't exactly fair, um, such as this CNBC report. Take a listen here. There's a debate over fairness tonight that reaches far and wide across our country. Is it fair to wipe out student loan debt for some Americans when many others have had to work to pay theirs off? Is it fair that some people who didn't go to college because maybe they couldn't afford it now have their tax dollars footing the bill for others? So several points of contention um, related to this student loan forgiveness. A couple bullet points I want to list here. Who's going to ultimately pay for it, right? One big one, right? How? What? I think we all know the answer to that, but exactly how or when or what it looks like is kind of the unknown. Not fair to those who already paid off their debt. What about those who took out private loans? About two million private student loan borrowers. The cutoff of one hundred twenty-five thousand can be um, can either be fairly fairly or hi, fairly high or fairly low, depending on the part of the country you live. Right? Somebody coming out of school in the uh, San Francisco area, right? That's a pretty low income. Um, so that different people are impacted uh, depending on where they live. And should we be focusing more on the issue of rising college costs and how to better manage those? So, Eli, you, you haven't been out of school that long. What are your <laughs> thoughts on student loan forgiveness and what was announced last week? Well, it depend, depends on which angle you're looking at it. Because if you are that student, well, you're just reaping, you're reaping some reward in the immediate term. That right now it's, it's a great thing for a, a large amount of students that are they're losing. I have I have friends that are still carrying student loans and they're they're excited about this. Now, the the flip argument to that is, well, it's it's being forgiven now and and where's it going to come from? Well, most likely it's going to come from my generation's tax dollars or the generation after me. I mean, it's going to have to be paid at some point. I think the interesting part, the the part that you mentioned, the second to last point you made, Matt, was that depending on what part of the country this might or might not actually affect. So we were talking in the office the other day about how most likely most of these $10,000 forgiveness is going to happen in the middle of America. You go to the East Coast or West Coast, well, starting salaries there are probably higher than that $125,000 mark because cost of living is so much higher. So there's some disparity there on where most of these student loans are actually going to be forgiven. Right. Just some, some interesting things to think through at, at how the policy was written and how it affects the people here it definitely seemed i mean i think everyone expected something to be announced because they had talked about it forever but it definitely felt a little desperate and not maybe as well thought through as it should have been for considering how big of a how big of a deal it was and how you know how many people could be impacted by it um lee what are your thoughts you know mixed emotions just like we we've all had um you know dave ramsey uh, who many of our listeners know and, and follow, um, I, I liked his quote. He just said, you know, for those who are in the, you know, in the categories that have gotten, have gotten their loans forgiven, 
congratulations, awesome, we're celebrating with you. And then he goes on to say, but there are others who have already paid off their debts, who, you know, for whatever reason, they, that does not apply. And he says they, ever, they have every right to be angry, and we're with you, and we're pretty ticked off as well. So, you know, for those that this benefits, great. Um, you know, we have the whole tax issue. Of, you know, obviously somebody's going to have to pay for it. Um, you know, there's still an underlying problem that you're hearing a little bit more now that this has happened is, you know, th this isn't necessarily a borrower issue. This is a school issue. You know, university education is very expensive. I mean, if if inflation has been averaging two to three percent a year, most universities, you know, tuition has been going up anywhere from five to ten percent a year. Um, and then, you know, it's very easy to get a loan. I mean, almost anyone can. So th the problem is still a problem. You know, I mean, we're we're taking we're taking care of something. We're fulfilling a campaign promise, if you will. But the underlying issue is still there. You know, I heard I was in the car a lot on Friday and I heard some people talking and, and you know, who's to say that we don't do this again two years from now? Well, that's, you know, or four years from now or, you know, is this something now that's just going to kind of become a recurring? That's my thought thing. is like everyone who's in school who has debt but hasn't graduated. Did, are they included? You know, I don't know. And I haven't seen anything about current students. I, I don't know. Good question. So, anyways, they're just huge question marks. It's sad that, I mean, the only reason this was announced when it was, like it or not, is because it's an election year. So, they felt like they just had to had to fit it in before then, right? It wouldn't have meant near as much or made near as much sense to pass this early December, right? I well, mean, and it, it and, wouldn't and, have done what they were hoping it would do. So, I, not even arguing for or against the actual policy and what was announced, just the timing of it, you kind of wish they would have been able to spend some more time and provided more clarification and details around Correct. what it meant for people, who it impacted the most, and um, a pretty big announcement with a, a, a lot of missing details. Well, and this was this was an announcement and a decision that really there was a lot of people, even within, you know, you know, Democrats, you know, some liked it. A lot of them did not. You and saw so, what Pelosi said. Yeah, I, I mean, mean. Pelosi came out and said, like, listen, Joe Biden doesn't have the authority to do this. Correct. She said only Congress can forgive. And so, and, yes. And so I, just, I think that this was a, a, a decision that, uh, you know, the, the only people that really came away happy were the students that or the, the, the graduates that are having loans forgiven. And I think um, to re, kind of reiterate what Dave Ramsey said, we, you know, we also want to say like, we're ha it's not that we're not happy for those people. I mean, that's a, I know that's a huge sure. burden that's been lifted off of a lot of people. So by no means do we want to come across like that's not awesome right. and that we're not excited for that. It's just, it's a big deal. So, you know, you kind of want to know all of the various impacts um, on both sides of it. So, the, Eli, any part in the, the only final th thought, and we talked about this last podcast. You can go back and listen to some of our thoughts on this. I, I won't labor time around it. But now $10,000 per individual is forgiven. Does that put more money into the economy, more money supply, more possible inflation? <laughs> I personally don't think so initially. Yeah. I mean, it's you're not, you're not writing $10,000 checks. Um, more than likely, most of those people – who are getting loans forgiven were not making monthly payments over the last two and a half years anyway. So I don't see this being a real like um, knee jerk. No, I don't think to the, yeah. correct. I, I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds, but yeah, definitely 
definitely a, a interesting conversation. So if you thought, whether you thought that was insane or not, right, you'll definitely, I, 100% of people thought this next one was insane. 100%. I know, 100%. Huh? <laughs> I mean, California came out and passed a requirement that by 2035, all ga- all car sales have to be electric cars. Is that new, right? New car sales. New car sales have to be electric. And what's even more insane is Virginia, Lee, you were talking about this beforehand. Virginia passed some legislation several years back when they had a Democratic governor that, like, tied themselves to California regulations. So as soon as this was passed in California, Virginia automatically had to has to abide by the same regulations that California passed. So now Virginia's in the same boat. And it's you were saying it was maybe even over a it's um, it's in a much shorter, it's a shorter time. time period. Yeah, yeah. I think California's is twenty thirty five. I think Virginia's is maybe 2029 or 2031, something. So it's a little bit sooner. And I, I don't know if 100% of people think it's insane, but I will say well, they even, should. even they should. the CEO of Tesla thinks it's insane. Yeah. Elon Musk came out and said, realistically, I think we need to use oil and gas in the short term because otherwise civilization will crumble. <laughs> and I feel like I should have some background noise of a yeah. dun 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 yeah. after after reading that, but he says otherwise civilization will crumble. Who knows what that means, but Yeah, it's nice. interesting. I mean, a couple a couple points here. You know, California is the country's largest auto market. Auto automakers who fail to comply face a $20,000 fine for each new vehicle sold in violation of the targets. Electric cars only made up 3% of sales last year. And that's nationwide, not in California, but that's nationwide. Um, but California is home to 43% of the nation's electric vehicles. And the average price of an electric vehicle currently at 66000 The average price of a new gas-powered vehicle is at 48000 I saw something online the other day. It was about someone having to replace the battery in their like Chevy Volt. Um, well, Chevy Volt's not a high-end car, right? It's pretty pretty basic. Nice car. I saw that. But... The new battery was like twenty eight thousand dollars, yeah. right? And I'm like, compared to the price of a new, I mean, you can literally <laughs> almost probably go buy that new car over again. And so, and you know, where are they taking? You can go so many down so many different paths with this. But um, my personal thought is just that this is absolutely absurd that you would draw a line in the sand and force this on people. I think I'm all for innovation, and I absolutely think there should be all options on the table, and people should be able to buy electric cars and nuclear powered cars if they're created one day and all of these things but to say you know we're going to outlaw gas powered vehicles basically and and find the heck out of you if if you don't comply it just seems a little bit absurd in my opinion and i think the residents of virginia who is probably not as wealthy of a state as california outside of the outside of you know dc area yes um you know, I you know when when gas prices were going up to close to five dollars a gallon, you know you heard a lot of politicians saying that well we just need to go electric, you know. And my take was if you can't afford five dollar a gallon gasoline, I don't know if you can afford a seventy five thousand dollar, you know Tesla. But you know I don't know. But it you know we'll see. Um, if I could well, make two investments right now, sorry to interrupt. I think the two, the the strong, I feel strong about. It. If I could short the California Californian economy, I would do it. And if I could open an auto dealership on the edge of the California state line, that's why it's I probably have, a phenomenal <laughs> investment opportunity. Because how many people in California can barely afford to live there as it is, and now they're going to be forced <laughs> to go out and buy electric vehicles? Um, it's just it's it's almost guaranteed failure 
the, the policies they're passing and trying to force are just not, they're not sustainable. And I will own this. We can come back and listen to this in <laughs> 10, 15 years and I will own this, but it's just, it's almost guaranteeing their own demise if they keep, Matt, you know, Matt, I, I see that you're passionate about this. Can you tell us how you really feel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I think it's funny that that's your second point. I, pardon me for being bad at geography, but I had just pulled up a map to see which states surrounded California because I was going to say the exact same thing. Investing in, in car dealerships that are right on the edge of California, Ford, yeah. Chevy. I now bet the Vegas car market skyrockets Boom. after 2035 because there'll Very be a likely. lot of out-of-state out people driving in so anyways interesting a lot going on as always as there is every week some some big news last week though with drone pal the student loan forgiveness the california car car situation so some interesting topics to talk through but just like we talked about last week at the end of our podcast there is a light at the end of the tunnel absolutely and it is college football. And it is college football. Absolutely. And so whatever There were people, games on this past Saturday. I know. fantastic. Yeah. So whoever is listening, whatever your favorite college team is, it is a good time of year. This weekend, you know, chip sales will go up. Coke sales will go up. Beer sales will probably go up. But probably the best news that's come out of the University of Arkansas for college football is the University of Arkansas is now a Coke School. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So I am. I am very excited. Um, we're all go we're going to the game next weekend, so um, it's a good time of the year. Me and my me and Bennett were just talking about how we both agree fall is our favorite time of the favorite season now with hunting season, college football. There's just a lot to be excited about. So. Life is good. And for for all of our fan base out there, Bennett is now seven. Yeah, just years old. Seven years old. Yeah, he'll appreciate the shout out. Went to IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> So, as always, we want to end with the thought of the day. This one's from Warren Buffett. Someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. That's from Warren Buffett. I feel like the California thing might play, but in reverse, you know. So I like that. Yeah. It's a good a, way to end. It's a good one. So, as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, thank you for checking out the podcast. We look forward to joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit mach1financial.com disclosures.